0: Hello there, I'm John Murray and you're listening to the Football History Boys podcast. And welcome to another episode of the Football History Boys podcast with me, Ben Jones, and as always, my good friend, Gareth Thomas. Thank you very much. Thank you very much to BBC Radio 5 Live commentator, John Murray, for his introduction to the show. Friend of the show. Friend of the show now. Thank you very much, John. And yeah, just first of all, how has your week been, G? Yeah, good. Uh, good. Obviously, we're into the last week of term, aren't we? you excited for the summer holidays, Ben? I can't wait. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. No. You've had a, a viral tweet this week as well. You may have seen it, listeners, on um, our Twitter page at tfhbs. Yeah, on the way back from school on the train, uh, the train conductor t- decided to go into an impromptu sing song. He's quite famous for it, isn't he, in Cardiff. I've seen him on them Wales online before. Actually, he's he's been sort of noted for it. But you managed to record him, and your tweet's gone down really well, isn't it? Not play too play too a little bad. clip for it. Okay. Time for a station. The Costa del Cordes. Da da da. Our next star. Ah, so there we are. The next Tom Jones, I think. What was he singing? I think it's um, We Are the Champions. We are the Champions, my friend. Lovely. So we're so welcome to Sonny Carter. Yeah, is it? I think so. Brilliant. That's what I was gathering. Brilliant. Yeah. Cool. Shall we crack on? <laughs> yes. Let's crack on. So last um last week, last episode, episode one, thank you for those who have listened and interacted with us after that. We talked about Wales Greatest. We talked about uh, our latest series we've been writing about. Thank you to those who've written for us. Um, we spoke about some of the you know, Wales' Greatest Ever Men, John Charles, Gareth Bale, people like that. We're going to finish that and series women. off. And women as well, of course. Jess Flishlock, um, who is, uh, yeah, absolutely brilliant. Um, let's crack on then with... Player number one for today, our last few players. Let's talk about Aaron Ramsey, because he's had a busy week. He has had a very busy week. Yeah, joined a new club. Announced officially at Juventus. Uh, watched his press conference yesterday, and fair play to him. Give him credit where it's due. Spoke a bit of Italian as well. Spoke a couple of minutes of Italian. Mm. Said he's obviously been learning, and I guess he joined, in, uh, well, he signed for them in, in January. Quite a while he? ago, yeah. So I guess he's been cracking on. He said he's been learning Italian, so fair play to him. He's done better than Bale already, because I think Bale doesn't know any Spanish. Just uh, Hala Madrid. I Madrid. Yeah, yeah, lovely. Um, so Ramsey, what are your thoughts on Premier League great? Arguably, Aaron Ramsey FA Cup great, certainly. Um, I'm a big fan of Aaron Ramsey, even though he's not, you know, Liverpool, and he actually's got quite a good record scoring against Liverpool. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of him. I think he's he's an excellent for Arsenal with all, the, even with all the injuries he's had and the the really bad leg break he had in, against Stoke. I think consistently performs for Arsenal. He scores a lot of goals, sets a lot of goals up. And he does it for Wales as well. And that's why, well, I personally think he should be the last captain at the moment. Yeah, I uh, think actually. he's brilliant. I mean, obviously, I said on episode one, I'm a Cardiff City season ticket holder. Um, so I saw Ramsey come through. I think he played about 16 to games for us initially before we moved to Arsenal. Moved mm-hmm. for £5 million. To Chase uh, Tammy play against? Yeah. I, and he, he was featured in the FA Cup song the year we got to the FA Cup final. There's so a little mention to Rambo on there. Um and they moved to Arsenal. And actually, since then, I think there was always that little battle, wasn't there, between him and Jack Wilshere. Everyone in England was saying Jack Wilshere's better. Everyone in Welsh was saying, I'm Ramsey's better. I think we've pretty... But now one place for Juventus, one place for West Ham. Yes. So, I think that's cleared that one up. I think that has cleared that up. But obviously, uh, he's had a ridiculous record, isn't he? Because he scored in a number of FA Cup finals. Um, has won a load of trophies for Arsenal. Um, and obviously, now has moved to Juventus. So, for him, what a sensational... So opportunity. Though. Scored that big goal against um, Hull, wasn't it, in extra time Yeah, that Ended their trophy draft. I think Piers Morgan hammers him, doesn't he, regularly but he's he is underappreciated for me at Arsenal. Piers Morgan's... I can't say what I think about Piers Morgan without he's getting told off. He's overrated. He's overrated. Um, yeah. yeah, so I, I absolutely, I think we should consider Ramsey's one of the greatest and we talked about yeah, in podcast one about Uh, Euro 2016 but what would have happened had Ramsey not uh, picked up that suspension and missed the semi-final heartbreaking him and Ben Davis wasn't it yeah I think they probably would have would have won really I, I think we would have I uh, I well certainly would have pushed them further than we did and lost two at the well, end but I think really just drawn all their games didn't they before yeah. that so. I think that was their first win wasn't it in normal time I think it was ridiculous the only, yeah. the only win normal time yeah. so Ramsey we'll see where he goes I mean he finishes his career strongly Juventus winning a load more Serie A titles and, and maybe even a Champions League they're looking very strong this year who knows actually we can start considering him as one of uh, Wales' greatest so he's he's filling in the, uh, the historical boots of John Charles and Ian Rush, two yeah. Welsh legends yeah, we last week. Yeah, of course, and there was pictures of him um, with the, in the Juventus Museum with all the stuff with um, John Charles and everything there, so yeah, fair play to him. Nice to see him, yeah, getting involved in the, the heritage. Cool, right, next one, Ryan Giggs, the current Welsh manager. Go from someone very popular to someone who perhaps divides opinion amongst <laughs> Welsh fans. So he definitely divides opinion. Yes. Uh, so it's written for us by Rhys Crabtree. Wrote us a piece um, for our for the blog. It a really really good piece. Again, uh, yeah. I mean, he definitely divides opinions mainly because of how many appearances he has for Wales. In you know sixty four appearances, twelve goals, which is not bad. But what we look at, and, and we've got to start here. He missed eighteen consecutive friendly matches. I don't know. Was that because of him, or was that because of? Whether it's Mr. him or Ferguson, Ferguson, obviously he often gets compared to Bale. Bale is someone who will turn up no matter what, and probably under immense pressure from Real Madrid to not always go to some of those games. You know, whether that's gigs or not, I can see why it divides Welsh people's opinion. Certainly on him, I think most of the comparison is mainly due to the fact that they're both left-footed, yes, midfield players. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, to have had as many appearances as he did for Man United. And for only to have had 64 for Wales is quite dis- disappointing, really. But when he did play, whenever I saw him play at the stadium, he was he was pretty excellent. I think yeah. in terms of an actual player, yeah. he has to be definitely one of the top... Oh, and certainly in terms of the player Premier player League. If we're talking about the greatest Premier League, you could absolutely make an argument for him the greatest ever. And certainly, you know, that class of 92... Absolutely phenomenal. I mean, it's ridiculous really when Cardiff were up the first time, straight fifteen, he was playing against us. He was he was probably I don't know, forty then. Um <laughs> and and was still going. It's it's yeah. his madness, his career. Um I think it is harmed by his you know, his lack of appearances for Wales often. Um yeah. but you know, we'll see where he goes with the Wales national team manager. I and think he's... give him a shot. Um we've done okay under him, haven't we as Wales manager so far? Mm. Started strongly, Defeatable. but I think, yeah, it's Re-China, definitely. China, six now. Yeah. And then it's sort of. There's been a couple of good wins. Slovakia, pretty decent. But uh, the last two fixtures being, I think he, I think he's. He's a defeat away from serious yeah, pressure. Ex, it's, it's difficult because if they're just going to stick with Wales manager, a Welsh manager, I don't know necessarily who's going to get that call. Maybe people are saying Tony Pulis, but uh, I don't know if that's the right thing for the job. Nice. Uh, Bellamy was very heavily linked, and, you know, as a Cardiff. Boy and someone I like, I oh, really like Craig Bellamy I would have backed that back at the time but we'll see he's had his his uh, bullying allegations isn't he yeah uh, I don't, I, that's probably hindered him a little bit but he's I think hands that's like now him. isn't he so yeah with um, Vincent Company isn't he? yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah. and also gigs of course he had his personal life it was a bit in yes. the papers and it hasn't helped his image at all yeah and we um, don't want to hammer him on here but I think he does get away with that a little bit because of his Premier League reputation compared to someone like John Terry who, who is roundly hammered yeah I think Giggs often gets off the hook a little bit Um he does a little but we're not here to hammer him we're but then what's he got 13 Premier Leagues 4 FA Cups 3 League Cups 9 Community Shields 2 Champions Leagues Super Cup World, or 2 World Club Cups and of course he was one of the main members of that treble winning season in 1999. So you can't knock his record at all. No, absolutely. Talking of gigs then, uh, let's have a look at someone else, uh, one of my favourite of all time, uh, Gary Speed. Um, and Of course, he, he died back in 2011. And, and I wrote that, I wrote the article on Speed uh, for our Wales Greatest Series. And I, and I said in there that that was one of the hardest days I've had. And um, it, it was weird because people were saying, you know, you don't know him personally. He didn't play for any of your clubs. um, But he was the Wales manager and he was someone who had done so much for Welsh football. Um, As a footballer, he had a fantastic career. He was another Premier League great, without doubt. Huge number of appearances. Staggering number of appearances. Um, Almost 670 appearances in the Premier League um, and league appearances before that as well because he played before the Premier League started. Um, So a phenomenal footballer. a phenomenal commitment for Wales, 85 caps for Wales, um, 7 goals and then obviously took on that Welsh management job and it had done a phenomenal job hadn't he? Wales were languishing a hundred and something in the world and under him he started to turn things around and, and really bring positivity to Wales. I think that's probably why his death really shocked us even more is the fact that Wales had just started to improve, and we all got on board with. Here we go! Is the speed revolution? He's got the golden generation. Here we go! This is gonna be the time for Wales to finally do what they've promised so many times. And then the tragic, uh, his tragic passing, really, really shocked us. And I remember we we're both in uni with we, at the time. Yeah. Um, and we're waking up in the morning and just being like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe this! Yeah. This is..." This I is remember getting the good notification, good. having to sit down. I just, I just could not process that speed wasn't about anymore. I think the reaction to his death, there was no one had a bad word to say about him. I remember Bryn Law on TV um, getting upset about it, getting emotional on Sky Sports. Robbie Savage getting emotional about it. Bellamy. Craig Bellamy in the game, um, in memory of him against Costa Rica. I went to that game and I was incredibly emotional with a big sort of speed um, written in the fans, you know, holding up cards. Yeah. Oh, what, what an emotional game that was. Um, and I feel for... I feel for you know where he could have been, but ultimately it's just terrible. It's a human tragedies and the fact that Gary Speed no longer with us. In terms of Wales' greatest, though, I think absolutely considered his, his commitment. Yeah. And here we go. When compared to Gigs, perhaps his commitment is he eighty five caps. He never missed a game really for Wales. He was the captain of Wales. He was captain when they were in that two thousand and two three team with Bellamy Hartson, and yeah. Simon Davis Delaney. Yeah. You know Paul Jones in goal, the one that came within a Russian goal oh. of qualifying for the Euros, and that's probably until recently easily the best team we'd ever seen. Sensational. Yeah. That that was a huge missed opportunity, wasn't it? That side deserved a shot at um, a major tournament. But yeah, fantastic player Gary Speed, definitely deserves to be one of the greatest. So let's move on to we've done a lot of strikers, done a lot of midfielders. Now we're gonna go right. Back to the goals and the goalkeeper, and there's only one goalkeeper that we could really discuss in of terms Wales' greatest, and it's, of course, Neville Southall, who has been a nice uh, friend to the Football History Boys. Yes, on Twitter, he is, isn't, isn't he? he? Yeah, he often gives us a retweet, often um, gives us a tweet, good bloke, all-round good bloke. So what do we know about Neville Southall, Gareth? Well, uh, we've asked for people's opinions. And anyone who's an Everton fan um, has given us sensational reviews about Neville Southall. um, That's really where he sort of made his name, I guess, wasn't it? Everton. People absolutely adored Neville Southall. Um, A fantastic keeper. Probably the best keeper in the world Um, during the 80s. People certainly say that. People argue that he was the best keeper in the world. Sensational in um, the league for them. They they dominated... um, Sort of British football uh, at that time, they were unlucky with English clubs banned from Europe that they didn't get their the, shot. Yeah, Mer- Merseyside dominance wasn't it? Liverpool and Everton, you yeah, almost take it in turns who won the league for a while. Um, Everton eighty five, Liverpool eighty six, Everton eighty seven, Liverpool eighty eight, and so on. And yeah, like you say, after High Sol, it did maybe hinder Southall's chance of winning a an inter- a continental trophy. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean. Until recently, until old our good friend Chris Gunter was taken over at the uh, top of the appearances. It was now at Southall for years, wasn't it? Most but, capped, yeah. yeah. And interestingly, I mean, his commitment to football, again, you can't uh, knock it. He played in the top flight, but also the second division, the third division, the fourth division, um, the conference, and even in the Welsh League as well, the League of Wales. So fair play to him. He's played all over, and, and his commitment to football, 713 league appearances in Korea um, Very impressive. and again a, a huge Wales you know, 92 caps for Wales so phenomenal really um, I think Neville Southall a friend of, the, friend of the show as we said is a um, absolutely considered one of Wales greatest and that seems to be an opinion of a lot of people saying in terms of I know we can talk about the goal scorers or the, the big the playmakers but actually Neville Southall was superb mm-hmm. for Wales it's just a shame he never played in a major tournament a bit like Ian Rush isn't it really I mean that's the <laughs> that's how it goes with all the Wales players, isn't it? Yeah. It's a shame they never played in a Wales major tournament. Uh, but yeah, and then off the pitch, he's obviously a you know a very humanitarian bloke, and he's yeah, an activist. He's, yeah, he's act activist in the sort of um, trans people rights and uh, homeless people as well. He's very much uh, a plays an active role in supporting them, which is which is excellent as well. So yeah, fantastic player, definitely the best keeper. I think even better than Lewis Price or. I'd argue better than Wayne Hennessy I I, I, I don't (laughs) think (laughs) there's a doubt I don't don't, think there's a doubt Okay let's finish off Let's finish off our series on uh, The Wales Greatest We'll go right back in time We've been sort of modern recently With some of these Let's take it all the way back uh, To the start of the 20th century um, And Billy Meredith So he is probably He's probably the first Major superstar of football I'd say so playing in sort of the beginning of the 20th century for um, teams in to the Manchester teams he's at North is Northwich Victoria first follow us on Twitter they now follow us on Twitter you can too at TFHBS well then sit that one in there well then but uh, yeah Billy Rediff so he started at Northwich Victoria he's from North Wales and Cherk so he's from by the border Got snapped up by Manchester City and debuted just before the turn of the century, in 1899. Wow. Well, he was still a, a amateur back then, and um, he was he was a coal miner. He grew up obviously as a, a lot of Welsh people did back then in the mining heritage, um, and was a miner. So he was playing part time for Manchester City and part time as a miner initially. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, I mean. He's a superstar because, well, mainly he had a sort of uh, he had his own image. He used to chew a toothpick in the game, which was like his his thing, which uh, his little trademark thing. So he got bail these days with his love heart celebration. Back then, yeah, Billy Rediff with a toothpick. Um, so, like t- different blokes back then. Yeah, and, and the FA Cup winner as well. 1904, he won the FA Cup, um, and he played 100 sorry 350 games in all competitions uh, for Manchester City then did perhaps what we consider the unthinkable now and moved to Manchester United. And thought it was a bit of a controversy, didn't it? Yeah, the con- uh, controversy in 1905 because of, there was an FA investigation into financial misconduct and Meredith himself was banned from playing for three seasons as a result of an allegation of bribing an opponent. Um, I think it was disputed, wasn't it? I it don't... was disputed, but uh, City's name is Manchester United. They had lived for several years in the shadow of the citizens, and decided you know we'll give him a chance. We'll try and sign him for our team. So in 1906 he was signed, but it wasn't until 1908 that he actually played his first game for Man United. So yeah, a bit of a bit of a shock probably for the one side of Manchester. Yeah, and and then I mean not just that. So obviously at Manchester United he'd go on, he'd have a great career, and he'd win the FA Cup again. He'd win a couple of the Charity Shields. Um, A fantastic career with United, so he's a United hero too. He moved then back to Manchester City, spent most of his time up in the North West, um, moved back to Manchester City and uh, played a number of times then, obviously towards the end of his career, but returned uh, to Manchester City. Uh, In terms of Wales, 48 caps, that's not a bad record back then, is it? Yeah, I mean, I think the home internationals were started by then, didn't they? Yeah, that's probably all they could play. But it's very consistent. I think, yeah, he must have featured in pretty much everything. No World Cup, no European Championships back then. So that's yeah. literally yeah, eleven goals for his country. And um, but I think his legacy actually is greater than football in this way. And we talk about as Wales' greatest, absolutely. But his legacy, um, he was one of the founding members of the PFA, wasn't he? He was nineteen oh seven, I think it was. So we that was actually one of our fifty most important moments in football history, wasn't it? Yeah, because it showed the players having their rights. So it was the right of the player finally coming out and being you know, able to speak up for themselves and ask for more money, which we later see in nineteen sixty one with the removal of the maximum wage. So Meredith was obviously you know kickstarting these sort of player rights ideas, and yeah. they seen it even before with professionalism coming in. But he you know took it that step further and formed a union, which is at that time unions were some of them you know were smaller and they really start to build them up. Well, he said he got his idea from the coal mines, the, the miners' unions. The, right, yeah, that was yeah. you know, his mining background, um, and he took the the idea of a union and yeah. said, let's fight for some players' rights. Phenomenal back then, because actually players were ridiculously underpaid. you know, yeah. He had to mine initially because they weren't paid enough, and there so he goes. stood for that. Um, what I did like was, when we were in Manchester for the Football Blogging Awards this year, uh, at the City of Manchester Stadium, which is where it was held, on the plates that they served our pie and mash, it had names of Man City greats, and I was expecting just to see um, Sergio Aguero and so on like that, but it did have Billy Meredith in big letters on the plate, yeah. so it's nice that Man City, a, a team that's so steeped in modern history, yeah, recognises its former glory as well, and players that have sh- shaped you know, the initial moulding of the club, so yeah. that that was really nice to see. So, shows have got a bigger history than people think, as well. Man, they've got a much bigger history, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Think. And we've written about that Crest Dissected as well. You can look that up on our site, yes. Well done, good stuff. So, there's only one question to ask then. G, what, what is the question? Who is Wales' greatest? And that's the question we've asked you this week. So, this week we, we put it out there, we put a poll out there, um, on the uh, Twitter. Uh, we had. Uh, options for you, we had Bale, Rush, Charles, or Other. Um, obviously, we sort of put it down to those three. Is probably Wales's greatest, and then people could vote on it. Mm-hmm. Um, we had, here, here's the results then. So, fans said that Bale, 35%. So, 35% said Bale was Wales's greatest. 18% said Ian Rush. 6% said Other, and we'll give you some of them in a second. But actually, 41% of people voted for John Charles. So, so there we go. Quite so close. Him and really close. And I think we're probably in agreement with that. Um, some Just some opinions. I don't okay. know. Maybe, maybe you're not. Um, Martin Johns, who was our old history tutor, uh, helped found the football history boys, a good man, yeah. Martin Johns. He said John Charles. He was very much John Charles. Um, we've got some other opinions here. Let's have a look. Michael Prosser said John Charles. Barry uh, Lavin said John Charles. Byron Flynn Said John Charles, just because he was so good as a centre half and a centre forward, um, in the team of the century, he was considered for both positions. I saw that. I saw that the, the other day. Yeah. Ridiculous, really. Who else could be voted um as a centre half and a centre forward? So Byron Flynn, yeah, good point there about John Charles. We had a few for Gigs as well. Um, Rob Harris, interestingly, gave a big shout. Uh, he's a Wales online journalist. Said, I think Gigs was a better footballer than Bale, not in a Wales shirt um but in terms of his actual general all-around football. general yeah. football okay. uh, and that caused a bit of debate there's a few back and forth uh, saying they disagreed um someone said gary spee's much greater than uh, ryan Giggs. jason reese said that yeah probably a fair point in terms of wales we're talking about wales and then obviously there were a lot of bail opinions too um Colmar had a dream great on twitter uh, big welsh people on twitter said uh, bail matthew jones said bail um we also had uh, Rob Harris himself. He said Bale. And uh, Real Madrid Stan, who I think is a Real Madrid fan, also said Bale. So, so you one got to Bale in his picture. Yes, yeah, so I think he's a big Gareth Bale fan. That's, that's more what he is, isn't it? Right, okay. I think we should do a 3-1 to one countdown. Okay. And then we're going to say who we think is Wales greatest at the same time. Okay. Okay. Go on. Do so you want to count down? Okay. Three, two, one. Charles. Steve Morrison. Steve Morrison. <laughs> yeah, gotta do it. If do, you want to do, say do. Steve Morrison, you just, you've got to give credit to Chris Gunter for that. Okay, true. Right, do one more time then. Three, two, one, Bam. Charles. Interesting. Oh, okay, well, you, you go bail. Yeah. Interesting. I'm sticking with my man bail. Interesting. I uh, Let's hear from you again on that final thing as we sum up our Wales Greatest Series. And uh, We'll take a little break and then we'll come back with a quiz. I Cup think. of tea. Cup of tea and a quiz. Right then, let's start this quiz. We've got our cups of tea. Do you want to give a shout out to our winners from last week? So last week's winners, the question was, which team in England and Scotland has the longest name by letters? And we had a few good answers. We had uh, Bournemouth and Boscombe Athletic from a few few people. Which would have been. Yeah, but isn't, of course, their name anymore. It's AFC Bournemouth now. And the winner was Reese Crabtree and Celtic Vines. Don't think that's their real name. (laughs) No, that's their Twitter name. (laughs) And uh, the answer was Inverness Caledonian Thistle. Right, so last week uh, I started a quiz, 100 British soccer quiz questions. But I did realise after we broadcast the episode that the original quiz was made in 2010, which is amazingly almost a decade old now so a lot of the questions don't work anymore god that makes me feel old yeah well there we go we were doing i don't know You're 12 then maybe right so i'm going to do a new quiz for you it's same similar sort of thing but it's from freepubquiz.co.uk and it's called 40 awesome football quiz questions so i've got my timer ready my 15 second timer that's all you're gonna get so you gotta be quick first question says, as of December 2018, name the four football managers to manage in the Premier League over the age of 70. Oof, okay. It's not Neil Warnock, because he's 69, so he's close to it. A lock-in one, Roy Hodgson. Yep. Okay. Five seconds. Goodness me, this is harder than it sounds. Avram Grant? Be close. There's the timer, so let's so we go Roy Hodgson. Okay, Hodgson, yeah. Avram Grant? Yeah. But oh no, but that's your only answer. Is it? Okay. He's close, though, and okay. he may be close. Probably. Yeah, he, he would be close. Oh my word. You've had your time, mate. Howard Kendall. Okay, right, shall so I tell you the answers? Go on, tell you the answer. That's really poor. Okay. Roy Hodgson. Yeah. Well done. Sir Bobby Robson. Oh yeah. Sir Alex Ferguson. Oh. oh. <laughs> And Neil Warnock. I was Neil Warnock? <laughs> he was born on the 1st of December. I thought he was 69. turned 70 last December. So that's why it's so of December 2018, I think. Okay. So there you go. I thought he was 69, Can't but okay. okay. Next question. Which two clubs play in the M23 Derby? Timer starts now. I think I've got this. I th- ah, See, this is my knowledge of motorways. Um, I've got a feeling it's Palace and Brighton. So you think it's Dan Seth? I think it is. The, obviously, the M25 is just... I think it then moves on to the M23. Okay, this isn't a road. It's not top gear. So what is the answer? I'm going to go with Crystal Palace and Brighton her Albion. Correct. Well done. That Thank you. I That's impressive. I would never have got that. I, I, you've I, only just passed your test. I have only just started driving. So, <laughs> oh, start time again. Right, okay. Next question. In the 2018-19 Premier League, starting with the lowest, which three clubs had the smallest stadium capacities? Well, one of my favourites is definitely on there, is um, AFC Bournemouth's, the Vitality Stadium, or there's been lots of other things, the Gold Sands over time. So my second club, Bournemouth, I've gone to them since I was a boy, i holiday in that area. So Bournemouth, okay, which right. I think is 11,000. Um, and then... Well, it would have been Swansea because they were twenty thousand. Cardiff, we're okay with thirty two. So I'm going to go with. I think Huddersfield is reasonably small. So I'm going to go with Huddersfield. And then as a third, I think Turf Moor is reasonably small because I think it's something ridiculous like twenty two thousand, and and Burnley is only sort of 70,000 people live in Burnley and 22,000 attend it. So it's something ridiculous of their population, like a third of the population attend okay. it. So I'm going to go with fact. Burnley, Huddersfield, and I'm going to go with uh, Bournemouth. Okay, so Bournemouth, smallest. Yeah. Just 11,464. Smallest ever, surely. Yeah, very small. Uh, next is Burnley, so Turf more, well done. Uh, 21,401. If it's not, i was going to guess the second one would be... Maybe Watford twenty four thousand. Like and finally, it's Watford. Yeah, Vicarage Road twenty three thousand seven hundred. I was yeah surprised by that. I was surprised. I went this year though for Cardiff City away, yeah, it was. I was surprised by the how small it was. Lovely stadium, but small. Okie dokie do. Right, which British team defeated Barcelona both home and away in a 1966-67 European Cup competition? And also reached the semi-finals of the 1984 European Cup. I you know, glad, I've got, got it. Like that, that question could have been shortened to which Scottish team made the 1984 European Cup? Yes, uh, I, th- I, else. I think okay. it's Celtic. You think it's Celtic? I think it's Celtic. Okay, well, that's not the right answer. <laughs> oh no, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's Rangers. It's Dundee United. It's Dundee. D- Dundee United. There you go. <laughs> oh, because Celtic won it, of course, didn't they? The okay. Lisbon Lions. That's poor. This is going to be. I like this question. This is the final question. If it was Nahangito in 1982 and Juanito in 1970, what was it in 1966? Time starts now. Read it again as I think. Okay. If it was Nahangito in 1982 and Juanito in 1970, what was it in 1976? you got any ideas? I think... Maybe so. Initial thoughts. Maybe referring to uh the oh. mascot. Oh. I'm gonna say World Cup Willie. Correct. World Cup Willie. Yeah. World Cup, Willy, yeah. Oh, oh, World Cup, Cup mascots. Good. World Cup mascots. Can you name any other World Cup mascots? I can't think. There was a cool one, wasn't there? Um, I think it's the Korea Japan. Korea Japan. Had a they had cool loads, you know. They had about six, of them. Yeah. they were like three D graphics. No, I can't think. But there's some, be some cool ones over the years. But yeah, there's World Cup Willy years. is a famous one, isn't he? Okay. There was a cool, the, France 98 had a cool one as so well. It was like a uh, chicken, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he's a chicken. Yeah. He's a cool-looking chicken, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I remember him from the 1998 um, 98 Road to World Cup FIFA game. Yeah, that's what why I know it. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, with Blue's song 2 playing in the background. Right, so question for the listeners. Billy Wright... The first footballer in the world to earn 100 international caps spent his whole career at which football club? That's the question. That's a lovely question. Sure and if you know, you know the answer, answer, get in contact at, at TFHBS on Twitter, at TFHBS on Twitter, or look us up on Facebook if you're a Facebooker, not a Twitterer. Yeah, or you can email us at the football History Boys at hotmail.com. Or you can text one of us if you know us personally. <laughs> you could too, yeah. Okay, right. <laughs> or you can just shout at us in the street if you see us as well. That would be right, great if that's that how it happened. That would happen be quite, quite nice, actually. Uh, right, that's the question. I'm sure you know the answer to that one, but I skipped it. So you can have a hard one instead. Oh, lovely. Okay, which historical match would you go back and watch live in the stadium if you could? We've had a load of... Uh, Different answers, and we'll go through some of them so later. Kind of like a football Tardis, To yeah. go back in time. To what say? match would you go and see? What's your game first, Gareth? And I'll ask you some questions. So, so mine was quite a popular one: uh, England three, Hungary six, at Wembley Stadium on the twenty-fifth of November, nineteen fifty-three. Okay. Nineteen fifty-three, England versus Hungary good game but well, that was actually going to be in my original choice as well. but you got there first yeah. uh, right this actual game i think was i think learning about this game when we were in university is one of the reasons why we kept the blog going yeah. so much because we yeah. were so fascinated by this one match and how much it changed society it so, changed football but it changed society as well exactly so what can you tell us so first of all 1953 england hungry hungry these days we're thinking not that great yeah they Gabor Karay with his joggers on. They didn't the other day but yes. you know, harking back to uh, you know, the olden days, you know, nostalgia. Like I think England were probably the best team in the world, and what I think we realise is that people back then thought that as well. Yes. Um, so and one, to some history. extent, still do. Just after the war, as well, we have got the the communist Hungary on one side and the you know the staunchly sort of US favourite England. So obviously, there's a bit of a yeah. Should I give us a bit of context? Go for it. So, um, I mean, we've written extensively about the 50s. You wrote an article, didn't you? Football's finest decade, the 1950s. Question mark. Question mark. Um, But I think you argued within that that it probably was. Yeah. Um, Find that on our website, again, thefootballhistoryboys.com. Football's finest decade. Um, And and for a number of reasons. Not just British football, but everywhere. So it's post-war Europe um, recovering. The world was recovering from war. And actually, in, in this country, in Britain... Domestic football was in a superb state. Attendances were through the roof. You look at many attendance records of many clubs, even today, they were set in the 50s. have actually written about that as well, haven't we? Post war reconstruction. Yeah. How football was a source for people to join themselves yeah. after the war. They had all this money you spare after rationing was still going on for a while. And they had all this yeah. extra spare money and they spent it on going to football. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm. And, um, even the 94 year Olympics, we talked about how that was a, a way to get people back into sort of normal life um, and feeling good about themselves. So, sport really helps. Let's look at 950 then. 950 is a World Cup, um, the first World Cup after World War II, a chance to get the world back together on the same page. Uh, what happens? It is uh, England's first shot at a World Cup. They've not been interested in 1930, 1934. 1938. They've rejected it. The old um, FA chairman said it's a nonsense. FIFA are a nonsense. We invented the game. We want nothing to do with it. It's ours. It's ours. We're the best. We don't need a World Cup because they want to lose their crown. They thought they were the best and they want to lose their crown. Definitely make comparisons to the modern way of society as well with that kind of attitude, can't we? Yes. Yeah, we can. <laughs> um, so what happens is another thing we've written about is the Miracle on Grass yeah. hosted in Brazil. In um, Bella Horizonte, uh, England do attend, and what they faced with is a USA side who don't take the game as seriously as England. They're baseball, they're American football, whatever, um, and so England are expected to thrash America. And in 1950, England lose one 0 <laughs> to the USA. Yeah, it wasn't a Rob Greenham goal. Uh, remember that? That was funny. Oh. <laughs> that was funny. Um, but it was actually it was so significant. I remember being told this in university when we talked about it. Um, it was misprinted in British newspapers because it was sent over. Obviously, the scores were being sent over by Telegram or whatever. Um, and and England had lost 1-0 and newspapers printed it as actually England won 10-0 because they thought the one should be England's column. They, mm. they couldn't get their heads around the fact that England had lost. And then they lose to Spain a few days later and they're out of the World Cup. England had dumped out of the World Cup and suddenly this mentality of uh, England are dominant, England at the best is starting to slip a little bit. Yeah. So we get to nineteen fifty three, the year of the Matthews final as well. So one of the most famous games at Wembley before, came just before Stanley Matthews uh, didn't score in that final, but he, he he ran the show and he set up um, Stan Mortensen for his hat trick. He was obviously England's finest player at the time, and they come the Hungarians who were on a good roll by of themselves at that time. Yeah. Um, they think they'd won the Olympics fifty two. Uh, they turn up at Wembley and they say, you know, let's play the English. They've beaten everyone before. England think you've beaten everyone else, but you're on hard turf now. You're an old blighty. Yeah, you're gonna get a thrashing. Well, oh, England I'm... had never lost at home, had they? England at this point had never lost a home international. Um, they had lost to the Republic of Ireland, and so some people may say they've lost to a foreign team. Um, but they never lost to a team sort of from continental Europe or beyond. I'm sorry, the British Isles. Yeah. Um, they were never supposed to lose this game. Hungary rock up. Um, there's reports of players calling uh, Frank Pushkas just a, a little fat chap. Um, just total disrespect, really, for their Hungarian opponents, who, as you said, had built a bit of a run. But England were never supposed to lose this. Uh, that Hungary team featured the likes of, as we said, Frank Pushkas, who's now got a FIFA award named after him, the yeah. Galloping Major. Um, 84 goals he scores in 85 games for his team. For his nation. Sandor Kocsis, um 75 goals in 68 games. That's a stunning record, isn't it? at Barcelona, That's, he was, wasn't he? Yeah, Pushkas, Real Madrid, Kocsis, um was a uh, Barcelona. Um Nando Hidaguti as well, who had a very good record. So they were boasting some good players. Um and so in that on that November night they uh play England. That November night. England featuring Stanley Matthews, Stan Tenson as you said, Jill Merrick. Um, who's a phenomenal goalkeeper at the time Billy Wright there we go captain inside and um, Alf Ramsey who obviously goes on to uh, manage England in future Uh, Um, and England lose 6-3 ridiculous I was looking up um, some of the highlights of the matches some of the newspaper reports Um, Hungary score after one minute so that's not going great for England no it sets a tone Nandol Hidaguti scores after one minute Um, England level and then Hungary take control so by half time we're looking at it's 4-2 to England uh, sorry, sorry, forty to Hungary. Yeah. Um by the fifty-third minute, so just eight minutes after half time, it's six two. Yeah. Ridiculous. Hidaguti nets his hat trick, Pushkas has got two, and Brozic uh, nets one two. That's a two. great goal, that one. I think the most famous goal is Pushkas's, I think it must be a second where he does a drag back. Yes. He drags it back and defenders goes flying and just smashes it in. And it you can imagine being at the time seeing these Hungarian players. With all these this skills and the this um Well they had proper football boots didn't they as well I remember proper we yeah, boots. They had proper football boots um which England laughed at, the players laughed at, mm-hmm. and yet obviously they were just so far ahead. Their formation tactically, um England were playing the, the traditional WM formation. Hungary had thrown out the window by then and they're playing a two three three two um and it changes, totally changes football really. Um in that game Hungary had thirty five shots and England had five. Five below so three, yeah, which is <laughs> not bad. Not bad. Yeah. Um, in front of 105,000 people at Wembley, this must have just blown people's minds. i got got a couple of quotes here gone from the game. Uh, Jonathan Wilson, who writes, uh, in the, the Pyramid. Pyramid, very, very famous book, he says, uh, for many, this was not the moment at which English football began to decline, but the moment at which it was recognized. So it was when people first really woke up to the fact we're not the best. And another one it says England were beaten by a foreign invader on British soil. So that's obviously keeping with the rhetoric of wards being through. And yeah. then it carries on. England can be proud of its past but must awake to a new future. I so then that's I remember actually writing about this in one of our university essays in yeah. the third year and needing to find a quote to support some of the spiel I'd written and this was the perfect quote. I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I can yeah. use this now. yeah And it does change things because England go back in May next year, don't they? The May of the next year, so six months later. Um, and they lose 7-1 away in uh, Budapest. Mm-hmm. They lose uh, and get battered. This is revenge and we're going to go and take it on Hungarian soil. And they get battered 7-1. Um, criminal that that hungry side didn't win a World Cup. They lost, didn't they, to West Germany. in the. Miracle of burn, absolutely criminal that that side didn't. Because we love that side, we've talked about it as our favorite ever side. And there's a book by Jonathan Wilson who's talked about it coming out in September. I can't wait to read it. Um, about that side, that Hungarian team who were just phenomenal, just changed football, yeah. changed football the way it was done. And, um, interestingly, Alf Ramsey credits that side as part of the inspiration for the 66 World Cup win. He says that the way they played, the way they trained, the tactics, the way that lots of those players were from Honved, one club, influenced him to take players from one club, West Ham it was in England's case. Mm-hmm. Um, so it played a huge part, but it would have absolutely just shocked people. Um, you know, Think about on the 10 o'clock news, uh, as we'd have now, this shock that had happened. Well, there's that thing, isn't there, that uh, after the... After the war, England was the sick man of Europe and he he used to think of itself as the superpower. We had the empire and so on. And after the war, it was pretty much a reality that it was the USSR and the USA, the two major powers of China as well, growing. and Britain trying to say, we're still here, but we weren't. And sport really did um, mirror what was going on on a wider scale. So England losing to Hungary just showed that when that Britain or England sorry, wasn't the most powerful. But that's something as well. Talking about, I keep saying Britain there instead of England. Yeah. And you've got something about that haven't Yeah, you? so we were chatting about this because um, we're we'll bringing some fan opinions then. Obviously, lots of the, the Welsh fans that we have, and we've got lots because we're from Wales, uh, want to see that game. I had a couple of replies saying, I'd love to be there just to see the face, the look on England's faces. And we had a conversation with Martin Johns, actually, who's our old uh, lecturer we mentioned earlier in the podcast. And he, he said, actually realistically, everyone would have been supporting England because it would have been this thing of, again, the foreign invader. Who are they? And We need to back the English side. And so everyone in Wales and even in Scotland would have been supporting England in that game. Um, and even in 66, there's reports that everyone in Wales were supporting the home nations. Oh, now that wouldn't happen anymore. And it wouldn't happen for me. You know, I, I didn't want England to win the World Cup. I didn't. Um, and I'm glad they didn't. But back then, actually, it would have just sent shockwaves across Britain that actually we yeah. are not as great as we think we are. The home nations aren't as great as we think we are. We've been beaten by some blokes, some foreigners. There we go. Lovely. Okay, what's Thanks your one? Give graph. us give us your uh, match that you'd love to see. So my match um, is also a match at Wembley, the 1923 FA Cup final between Bolton and West Ham, otherwise known as the White Horse final. Very famous. So this one, not so much for the match going on, what was happening before the game uh, with the spectators and the spectatorship and what happened there, okay? So, originally I was thinking of what match could I do? Maybe I'll do a Liverpool one, Miracle of Istanbul. But that's too cliche, yeah, too obvious. Get away. We all know about that one by now. And I'm sure there's a lot of football fans who are sick to death hearing about that one now. Right, so, 1923 FA Cup final. Bolton and West Ham played in April, back in those days, the end of April, so not May. Uh, It was the first final... At Wembley, so before then they played at Crystal Palace, you know, way back they played at the uh, Kennington Oval, they played at um, Stamford Bridge, and so on. Okay, so this one though, Wembley Stadium, first one, you got Bolton West Ham, West Ham, local ish London team, Bolton from up up north coming down. So, why are it so amazing? It's because 126,047 people were officially recorded as inside the stadium. That is madness, isn't it? But that's what the official reports are. The What p- people and uh, historians and uh, other arsenals from the time generally think is that maybe up to 300,000 people turned up at the game. And I did find a piece on YouTube, and it was over of, of some uh, uh, angles from the first Wembley, I found it the new Wembley, 2007, and it was a bloke who was a kid at the time who had gone to the 1923 no final. Way. And uh, on our YouTube channel, actually, there's a little clip of him speaking. And he's saying how his dad said, do you want to just go? And he said, yeah, we just turned up and just got in. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, 300,000 people turned up and the the game couldn't get started at first because there were so many people in the stadium. They were spilling out onto the pitch and there was being a big uh, crowd on the pitch and they had to try and get them back. And there was this, this famous image... Whole lot of police horses coming in, especially as a white horse. And yeah, there's a really famous on, picture, isn't and it? And they're ushering the fans back over the line, and in the end, you just got a ring of football fans around the edge of the pitch, oh. um, which you which you just wouldn't see that these days. Um, but back then, you know, maybe a bit more common. So what I did look at, I thought, you know, how did they get away with this? What happened? What were the repercussions? So found out that 900 people was treated for slight injuries. <laughs> Not You know, for only slight injuries. Only 22 were taken to hospital and 10 were discharged straight away. So, amazingly, barely anyone was injured. No trouble. Injured. Um, however, there is some speculation as to whether this is just press reports and people trying to make it out it wasn't as bad as it was. Uh, I did get a piece from Matthew Taylor's book, The Association Game, all about the final. And he talks about how people... Like to come up with this myth of how the white horse came in and saved the day, the king turned up at the game and everyone became well behaved, <laughs> had this sense of decorum about them. Oh, the king's here, so I all go get off the pitch now. But he says that's a, a load of old tosh. And he says, So this narrative now has been accepted king and horse saved the day, but sports historians have been studying and reports aren't true they say it was probably a report of uh, a lot of um, disorder and injury and a real threat to the crowd but at the time there was a few more of these things going on in, at the stadium. So what the government and what the um, FA wanted to do was put out this image that you know we're all well behaved we're fine really we're actually it's you know just got a bit um carried away. It's that brush the football's often been tarred with, isn't it? Is the it's the Yeah. Rugby was for the classy people, football was the the dodgy one. So he says, uh, the conduct of the Wembley crowd seemed to embody the way in which England saw themselves as people self disciplined, peaceable and essentially cooperative. So that's the lie, the myth that we've been sold, but in actual fact it was just a lot of lot of disorder and probably government not really caring enough about football fans as they were predominantly working class people, they're not important enough to uh not important enough to look after properly. So we'll just leave them up to their own devices, and this you know this still happens. So uh, that's what happened, and then obviously then stadiums. There was a few government changes how stadiums were, but not enough, and then that eventually leads up to things like Hillsborough. So. Uh, like we can't talk about that now because it's still a you know, criminal trial going on. Um, but no, the, it all it all links to that. So yeah, it's it's a game that has massive repercussions. It does. Who won the game? Did you say anything? Bolton won the game? And interestingly, for our Welsh fans, there's three Welsh players who are playing in the game. We have Bill Jennings playing at halfback for Bolton. We had a forward, Dick Richards. That's a funny name. Yeah. That's literally Richard Richards, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, playing for West Ham, and that's quite Welsh, isn't it? The, yeah. the double name. Richard Richards and um, Ted Vizard. Who, uh, interestingly, when you said that earlier, you said there was three Welsh from playing. I went, was Ted Vizard one of them? Um, he is a he's a relation. Yeah, he's uh, we I've got a load of memorabilia for him. Those cigarette cards, like the old football stickers back in the day, but you get them from smoking cigarettes instead. Um, <clears throat> yeah, he's got his own card. Um, I've got a couple of sort of signed things by him. He is a family relation on my uh, grandmother's side. Yeah, her maiden name was Visart. Just going to give you one little last fact. Quite, uh, quite a fun one. The rider of the White Horse was offered free tickets to subsequent finals at Wembley. But he had no interest in football and did not attend any of them. So there you go. Wow, good fact. And the footbridge outside the New Wembley is called the White Horse Bridge. Legacy. Okay, so here are some of your answers. As We said we've been asking all week um, since our first podcast. What do you think at home? Um, John Murray, friend of the show, John Murray, <laughs> as you heard at the start. Um, he said, he apologised it was a classic, but he said as a commentator, he would have loved to be at 66, the final, 4-2, see that great day. Um, I also asked him what's the best match you've ever commentated on, and he said um, England beating Colombia on penalties. Um, a, you know, famous, famous moment, I'm sure, for many years to come, England, Break that penalty hoodoo and he was commentating that day. Martin Johns mentioned him before. Um nineteen twenty seven FA Cup final, he said one of them, Cardiff winning the FA Cup, a Welsh side winning it. nineteen fifty eight, Brazil versus Wales, mentioned last time, Ivor Allchurch playing in that. Um we also had the very first football match, it's a great shout by Adam Bateman. England versus yeah. Scotland. Yeah. Nil nil though, so it might not have been the most entertaining no. one. But historic, there. nonetheless. But yeah, seeing how the rules were back then. Yeah. And that, you know how people what people were wearing and things would be very interesting. Oh, we had a common one, Wales, Belgium at the Euros. Yeah. That's the you know, three people there. John Levin or Laven, Rhys Crabtree, Matthew Jones. yeah um, I think for Welsh people and you know, for me I, I watch it in the fan zone, it was sensational, but I would love to actually have be been there, yeah, absolutely. Oh is a good one. This one, I think was a game which a lot of people were probably thinking about was brazil to italy three at the 1982 world cup we have uh, more than a game 66 uh tweeted us that and yeah. i met him actually at the football collective in november very nice man uh that's a game i think we just the brazilian team zico um so- uh, socrates and so on just a fantastic side but they lost to Paolo rossi italy um, and he said to see the best lose is a special occasion which actually is a, is a great point to see the best, the favourites, lose at something. And often it's normally a good match, isn't it? It's normally yeah. a good match. Well, so yes, we had um, outside right, who are big TFHB fans. Um, France versus Germany in the 1982 FA Cup semi-final. Um, four extra time goals. Must have been sensational. And that famous ta- um, takedown as well by Schumacher. Yeah, good one there. Oh, yeah, yeah, we knocked him out. Uh, we got a couple of little fans here. Tom Williams says he'd go, he'd go back to Istanbul 2005, as we have mentioned on the show already. I think or... that's fair enough. You go to Rome 77, so the first uh, Champions League or European Cup they won. Or, for a wider football watch, you go to watch Maradona run the show in 1986. Yeah. Oh, interesting here, though. Somnath Saguta, um, really interesting one. I I didn't realise this. Uh, Hungary versus Uruguay. There's that Hungarian side we talked about from the 1954 World Cup. Because that was the first World Cup match that Hungary, that Uruguay, had ever lost. Oh, yeah. um, no recording That's of the match true, exists. Because obviously they won in 1930. They didn't appear in the next ones. And so they're in, and uh, they, they won in 1950 as well. Yeah, and they won in 1950. So of course, 1954, they uh, were unbeaten in World Cups. They faced that famous Hungary side that we talked about, and they lose. There's actually another game in that World Cup, which i quite like to see. That was uh, the Battle of Burns. So we got the Miracle of Burn, but the Battle of Burn happened in the quarterfinals between... Uh, Brazil and Hungary. And apparently it was just a very feisty match and a lot of uh, naughtiness going on. Uh, we got ooh, have a look. Rosalind Biscard. Uh Rosalind Biscard. She says the toss-up between the 66 Cup final and the Baths Bath Women's Sunday kickabout back in the 18th century. Don't know a lot about that, but it sounds... So I think it's one of the first times women must have been playing football, Yeah, I think you know very interesting. Jess on Twitter as well said, um, England women versus Germany women in the third place playoff in the World Cup and 2015. Obviously, Phil Neville thinks that that's a nonsense, but uh, it certainly wasn't. They they won. <laughs> Phil Neville's a nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sheffield FC scores. They've gone, they said, do we have to narrow it down to one? I, we'd go for the first game against Hallam FC of Boxing Day 1860. So that's one of the first ever proper games of football, Sheffield yeah. FC, FC. Because obviously, Sheffield FC were one of the oldest clubs, aren't they? The world's oldest football club, and they claim that. And then, yeah, they they support them, Sheffield uh, FC. And I'll go for one more. Let's go for ooh, Ian Iguana. He's gone for the 1974 uh, game at the Olympia Stadium. We'd love to see that. Muller's last goal for the national team. Class player, so that's obviously a, a German a German game. There it must be Germany, Germany Holland final. Yeah, yeah. and I hope Ian Iguana is his real name as well. That I, I hope so too. Lovely, let's take one more break and then we'll come back with my quiz and we finish off. Brilliant, okay, we're back. Um. Guess the year. It went down quite well. I didn't know how it would go last week, but I quite I, liked it. I enjoyed Guess the Year last year. Good. Last year? Last week. Last week. I hope um, you enjoyed it too and play along. So here we go. Guess Shit. the year. Nice and random. I'd like to see how you do on this. Okay. Number one. Linoflorin, Linonium, <laughs> Linoflorin is <laughs> okay. patterned and trademarked in the United Kingdom. So Lino. Lino, Linoflorin. Okay. In December of this year. Nineteen is, fifty. 4 Random Okay 1954 was that random at this point Is there any Uh, I'm thinking after the second World war consumerism Fine Question 2 The first section of the London Underground Railway from Paddington to Foundon Street officially opens in January Okay So I'm pretty much way off So 1863 Okay Question 3 P.T. Barnum, this is the uh, bloke from the circus, the greatest showman, oh, uh, the, yeah, the yeah. show, um, or the film is based upon, stages a wedding in New York City of the famous Tom Thumb, named after the uh, the English folklore. Uh, Tom Thumb and Mercy Lavinia Warren, uh, both whom had dwarfism. So he he stages this right. wedding, obviously commercialised wedding. What okay. you think? I thought he was a bit later, 1880? Question four. Yorkshire County Cricket Club was founded in the Adelphi Hotel in Sheffield. 1870. I'm just going to go ahead of the other too. Good. Some people may know this. so Number five. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, so this may help yeah. you, signs uh, a document called the Emancipation Proclamation. Uh, so basically what this does is, during the Civil War, he signs this thing to say that if we win the Civil War, we're going to abolish slavery. Um, and in that document, it says 3.1... Of America's four million slaves will be free, and actually immediately frees fifty thousand slaves. So, that, I, I'll go back to my uh, original eighteen sixty three. That knowledge or just guess? Well, the American Civil War is 60 fifty sixty, isn't it? Okay. David Lloyd George, Britain's only ever Welsh-speaking oh, Prime Minister, French. is born. Got a picture of him by that. Good. Yeah. When's he born? Uh, well, he looks quite old now. Picture and that's the nineteen twenty-three Africa final. uh piece oh, uh, 1860 oh, 1870 again I'll go back there ok in June there's only two questions left in June of this year um, the Arts Club is founded by Dickings a guy called Anthony Trollope and Frederick Malayton and others in London's Mayfair area as a social meeting place for those sharing their work and interested in the creative arts well if I know my Trollope I'm going back to 1863 Okay. so I reckon your next clue is going to be seven the FA Question number 8 the Football Association <laughs> is founded on the 26th <laughs> of October you are right 1863 actually you said that question 2 so you did better than last time yep. question I'm 2 1863 you knew when the London Underground was founded I did because <laughs> it was the same year yeah. same yeah. year as Football Association as you just read out to us good knowledge I hope you had fun at home with that but the liner one really threw me off yeah. Okay, I was sure that would be more. I was minded. surprised by that, wasn't I? Liner. Yeah, I, was I thought it was plastic one. in liner. Yeah. yeah. There must be, there's not, is there? Well, maybe not. It must as be wood. Yeah. Or am I completely off? I don't know. I don't know. Cool. Right. So, I think we've almost come to the end of this podcast. But, Gareth, we've just opened up our uh, Fantasy League. Yeah. I'm, I'm a massive fan of the official uh, Premier League, the FPL. I sort of like Fantasy Premier League. Well. Ben's not very good. Um, I'm not very. I often do well. You give up often, don't you? You often give up. I I actually had a resurgence last year. I gave up in the first few weeks because I had Thibaut Courtois on my team for five weeks, and he had left, (laughs) so he got me no points. But I I was last in our league in about. February and I came 19th in the end so I, I went up places. good well this time hopefully we'll keep you up to date with it we'll have a, maybe a regular in our podcast who's doing the best um, just to let you know it'll be on our Twitter but if you have got that FBA, uh, their FPL website join our mini league the code I'll give you the code H H T K T Y and obviously I'll tweet that too but come and join our mini league lovely yeah does that bring us to a close uh, I think it does Make sure you follow us on Twitter, as we've said before, at TFHBS, uh, or like us on Facebook, or just check out our website. The or s- send boys. us an Com. email, just talking to us if you want. Yeah, I'd the love that. History boys at hotmail.com. Lovely. Thank you very much, Ben. Thank you very much, Gareth. Thank you very much for you guys for listening too. We will see you next time. Thank you.